Hey, we're in a series, and we're closing it out called the Holy Spirit series. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, Holy Spirit? Do a kind of creepy sound. Holy Spirit. Yeah, like that. Okay, some of you are new to us. I'm creeping you out. Sorry. Um, we, we've, been, we've been in this series, and we started with the passage of Scripture out of Acts chapter 19. Let's look at that for a second. In verse 1 and 2, uh, Paul has this moment. It's 20 years after Jesus has died, resurrected, ascended, outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It's 20 to 30 years range. And uh, Paul finds himself on the road uh, to Ephesus. It says, and Paul took the interior and arrived at those who followed. And there he found some disciples. Disciples. What were they? Try it again. What were they? Disciples of those who are following God. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that's kind of been the premise of this series is that I have found that here we are 2,000 years later, and we got a bunch of folks that have been in the same situation as these men were. They loved God. They were doing their best to follow God. But they had this breakdown of communication. They didn't even know that there was a relationship that they could have with the person of the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So in this series, we went about trying to interact in a way um, that through the scripture where we can learn more about the Holy Spirit. Who is he? What is he? How does it work? And so we started with some of the pieces that kind of get confusing. We started with his name, um, Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, as the King James Version will call him. And I don't know about you, but the no- moment I heard, once I became a Christian, heard about the Holy Ghost, I was like, I'm good. I don't need anything right there. I'm, I'm really good. And, uh, and, and really, as we dove into it, the original Greek and Hebrew of the name of the Holy Spirit is actually, it, it actually trans- translates out the breath of God or the wind of God or wind in yourselves. And I guess as they were trying to translate into an English word, they had God the Father, God the Son, and God the wind in yourselves might have been a little difficult to translate. So they used the term Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost. And when we use the word ghost, now 2,000 years, well, I, obviously when they were translating the 1500s and into the 1700s, the way they used the word ghost in those days versus how we use the word ghost this day, a, a totally different concept. And so here we are now trying to understand who he was. And so we started with the first week saying, understand, listen, it, he's, who he is is in his name. He's the wind of God. The breath of God inside of you and me. To, to breathe on us and give us life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. And to have a relationship with this Holy Spirit, the person, the third person in the Trinity, is a critical aspect for each and every one of us. Then we went into the second week talking about the term Pentecost. Because everybody talks about on the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost and Pentecostals or Holy Ghost Field or whatever that may be. And what we did was we actually brought you back to Scripture and what was Pentecost. Well, Pentecost was just a Jewish holiday. Just a Jewish holiday, like we have July 4th coming up. It just was a Jewish holiday. But what God did, significant with Moses, back with the children of Israel, and then 2,000 years ago, what he did on Pentecost on that holiday. And so what he did was Jesus died on Good Friday, as we call it, or Easter as we use the term now. Jesus died and was, he, he covered the sins of the world with his death. 50 days later, on Pentecost, the holiday, the Jewish holiday of Pentecost, God outpoured his Holy Spirit. The reason why is because Jesus was a Jew, and the gospel was brought first to the Jews. So the Jews would grasp the understanding of what God was doing, that his son was the forever Passover lamb. And 50 days later, 
the outpouring of his powerful Holy Spirit to transform their lives forever. The Jews would get that for us being Gentiles, those of us that aren't full-blooded Jews, and we don't understand the holidays and the significance that God put in place for them. We didn't really understand it. So I helped you understand that Pentecost was simply a holiday where God poured out his Spirit, so the Holy Spirit came upon them so that you could recognize that the Jews would have been like, oh my goodness, the significance of this is supernatural, and how they received the Holy Spirit. And you and I, now 2,000 years later, when we hear people talk about Pentecost, they're Pentecostals, we immediately think about people with their hairs pulled up, no makeup, or people that are really weird and uh, acting kind of goofy, but that is not at all what the Bible calls it, or what the Bible is signifying with Pentecost. So hopefully you got a little bit of understanding there about the power that was supposed to be accessible to us as his followers. And then last week we talked about, if you will, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. This gifts that the Holy Spirit brings, that Jesus brought us salvation, God the Father brought us the, imper- the person of the Holy Spirit to dwell in, uh, in us, and that the Holy Spirit brings us gifts. And we listed out you know, over 20 gifts, the power gifts, like words of knowledge, words of wisdom, the service gifts, like administration and leadership and all these things. And we challenge you to find your gift. In fact, in small groups this week, we gave them the link to the little uh, online gift survey, spiritual gift survey, and a bunch of us took it. It was magnificent. Some of you still haven't had that privilege yet. That's okay, because we're going to be taking you through that in the weeks and months to come. And so be looking forward to that. Just just understanding how God made me and the gifts that the Holy Spirit brought with me. And today, we're going to look at the term baptism, the baptism and the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at this term and what it means in Scripture. So today's going to be a little bit more teaching. Normally, I'm a little bit more, you know, spitting and getting excited, but and that'll still happen because that's me and I can't be anybody else. But today, we're going to look more into the actual baptism piece. And the word baptism means to full Fully immerse into, to immerse into. That's what baptism means. So when you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to fully immerse into. When you see water baptism, to fully immerse into water. And so in the scripture, there are three major baptisms, literally three steps in our Christian walk, are three baptisms. And I'm going to teach you those today a little bit. I think it'll help you in your spiritual walk. First baptism that we find in scripture is the baptism into the body of Christ, our salvation. Baptism into the body of Christ, our salvation. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 says, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Galatians 3 and 26. You are all sons of God. How are we sons and daughters of God? Through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. So the first baptism is the baptism of salvation or the baptism, as I'm calling it, into the body of Christ. Because here's what you got to understand. The moment you said, and maybe someone didn't explain this to you, the moment you said, Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I recognize I'm a sinner. Please come into my life. What you were doing was being baptized into Christ. That's the verbiage that the scripture uses. You're being immersed into Christ. And with that immersion came his clothing of you. In other words, at that moment that you said, Jesus, come into my life, I repent of my sins, I want to be a follower of you, whether you recognize this or not, but you became a part of the body. Okay, Jesus died, resurrected, and seated at the right hand of the Father, but he left his body on earth, and we are his body. Many parts, one body. Each and every one. I taught you that last week. All of you have a part of the body. That's why when you don't interact with the body of Christ, there's all these people say, you know, I love God. I just can't stand the church. I just, I hate organized religion. Well, that don't make any sense because the bottom line is you were baptized into the body of Christ. So not, so in other words, you're a part of a collective. You're part of his body, his people group, if you will. 
He, he created a secondary people group, followers of Christ. And when we become Christians, we become not only a part of, clothed with him, but a part of his body, his unit, if you will. And that's why, you know, there are these times where these people who are never, they never interact with the body of Christ and, they, and other, body, other Christians, and they end up dying out. Why? Because a part of the body cannot sustain itself outside of the body. We're supposed to be together. Good pitch to come to church every week, but you don't have to, obviously. But I had this friend, uh, uh, there's this guy I used, to, I used to play disc golf with, a good friend of mine, still a good friend of mine. And, uh, and, he, and I'll never forget, you know, and, and, he's just a cool dude. And I'll never forget, he asked me, he goes, so can I ask you something? I was like, yeah. He goes, so do you, can y'all like sense each other? Or like sense each other? I guess he'd been watching a lot of sci-fi movies. He goes, like, can you sense when another Christian is around? Like, can you be in like a crowd of people and just like, he's one. She's one. <laughs> I thought about it for a second. I said, I kind of, yeah, I kind of guess we can. And he goes, I knew it. He said, I knew it. He said, because there's a guy at work, and when I'm around him, I get the same feelings like when I'm around you. He goes, I don't want to say the F word when I'm around you. I don't know why. I said, I said, well, it's okay. I mean, you haven't come to Christ yet. I understand that. And he goes, yeah, but I get the same feeling when I'm around him. He said, I bet when you guys get together, it's like magnets, like warm, 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 warm. You can feel each other, huh? I said, well, I guess you kind of can. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord lives within us. Because we've been baptized in the Christ. So the first baptism, laying out in Scripture, is baptism of salvation or into the body of Christ. Now, when that happens, there's another piece that some people get confused of. And there's this transformation that happens and an infilling with the Holy Spirit. So let me take you to John chapter 20 and kind of illustrate for you or let the Scriptures point out to you how when we become a Christian, in that moment that we confess Jesus our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us in that moment. Look in John chapter 20 and verse 19. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week. So now this is picking up in the book of John chapter 20. Jesus has died. He's resurrected. He's, he hasn't ascended into heaven. And for the next 40 days, he begins to appear to the disciples. So what day did Jesus get crucified on? Friday. That's what we call that good Friday. Good job. All right. And then what day did he resurrect? Sunday. That's why we call it Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. Come on, boy. I got some smart people in this church. All right. So it says on the evening of that first day, talking about Sunday, so that morning he had resurrected, on the evening, everybody say evening, of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. <laughs> you say, well, why were they in a room, in a house with the doors locked? Because they, they were fearful of the Jews. What does that mean? So Jesus, they murdered him, put him in a tomb. He kept prophesying that in three days he would resurrect. So the Jewish leaders were like, uh-uh. They, well, they got guards set out in front of this place. There ain't no way they're going to let his disciples steal the body. Steal the body and then proclaim, it happened. We don't know where he went, but it happened. Look, the stone's been rolled away. So they put guards there, and they had an official seal put over that, over that entrance because they put the, kinda, the, the wax covering, an official seal, and no one could break that seal. Oh, but the Holy Spirit didn't know about it. He can't break no seals. And so Jesus resurrects. So because of this, the Jews are plotting, we got to kill all of them. They're thinking, the disciples think, they're going to kill all of us because they got, they got to try to stomp this thing out. So they're in a room with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. And then it says, now Jesus has died, he's resurrected. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. That's just funny right there. You say, why, why is that funny? Well, picture this. He walks through the wall. They're already scared. <laughs> and then he walks through the wall. 
they are scared. So guess what his opening statement is? Peace be to you. And our vernacular is like, dude, chill out. It's me. It's all right. It's okay. Okay. Peace be to you, he says to them. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed him his hands and his side where he was stabbed with a spear. So there's some type of, they can see it. The holes in his hands, they can see that. He says, and the disciples were overjoyed and they, uh, when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, and again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive. That's a little awkward. You're all sitting there, yes, you're alive. Yes, this is unbelievable. I saw you die. This is crazy. This is great, great. I can't believe this. And he goes, peace. <laughs> receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus breathes on them. Again, what's the name of the Holy Spirit? The breath of God. The wind of God. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. When you and I become Christians, first baptism, salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. You can't even be convicted unless the Holy Spirit draws you. That's what the Word of God says. So when you and I make a confession of our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. That's why once you became a Christian, once you confessed Jesus with your mouth and you declared that you were going to serve him, even, even when you just cried it out in private and deepness of heart and minute, all of a sudden something changed inside of you. You started being convicted about stuff. You started feeling bad about stuff. Before I was a Christian, I didn't care. I would rob you. I would take from you. I would cuss you. Didn't hurt my heart one bit. Didn't care one bit. You deserved it. And if I stole something from you, you deserved to be stolen from. Stupid. Why'd you leave it there? That's mine now. That was my mentality. When I made a confession of my faith and made Jesus my Lord and Savior, all of a sudden I felt bad about taking stuff. I was like, <laughs> I don't know why I feel guilty. I never felt guilt and shame before that. I never felt that. Why? Because who's now inside of me convicting me? Holy Spirit. That's who's convicting me. And so some of you say, well, I grew up in church my whole life. Exactly. So you've had that first baptism, and that's magnificent. And that's wonderful. And Jesus tells him, he says, listen, he says, I'm going to breathe on you now. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he does. Luke records another piece of this whole interaction. Let's turn there real quick. In the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24. Luke, now, the, now, you have four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are the same stories about the life and teachings of Jesus from four different perspectives or four different writers. So God uses four different folks to give you different angles. And so Luke has another piece of this whole uh, uh, experience. And let's look in verse 36. It says, while they were still talking about Jesus, excuse me, still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Same thing John said that he said. Skipping down to verse 48. He goes into this discussion with them and he says this, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He's breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit, but he tells them, wait for another experience. The gift my father has promised. The gift my father has promised. I taught you that in the, uh, in the earlier part of the series. The gift the father promised clearly is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They're waiting in Jerusalem days later, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And that is what we're going to call the third baptism, or what the Bible would refer to as the third baptism. So the first baptism is salvation. First baptism is being right with the Lord. The Holy Spirit comes and fills and says, overcome it. Yet I feel conviction. And all of a sudden I feel like, man, I shouldn't be acting this way. I don't necessarily have the power to overcome it yet, but I definitely am convicted of heart. And I definitely, if I die, I'm going to heaven. I belong to Jesus. I am his. Are you with me? Say yes. 
You can do better than that. Say yes. And then the second baptism is what we call water baptism. Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Surely I'm with you always when he's teaching us how to go make disciples. One of the next steps that he teaches us is salvation, baptism and salvation, and then water baptism. Now, water baptism is a public declaration of your faith. A public declaration of your faith. You say, well, I don't really understand. Why, do, why would I need that? Well, let me il- illustrate it like this. You can be deeply in love with that person that you're living with. You can be having sex and all these kind of things that a married couple should be doing. But until you have a marriage ceremony, that's a private thing that y'all are doing, and you don't even want your friends to know that you're committed to them in love. But when we have a wedding, and that boy finally gets a ring, gets off, all, up off his lazy behind, puts his money where his mouth is, and puts a ring on her finger, and then has a wedding where, he puts his, where they put their money where their mouth is, what they're doing is saying to everyone, we're going to be together forever. We're committed. I, this is a public declaration. We might have been shacking up before, testing the waters, which, by the way, is sin. But that, we might have been doing that. But now we're making a public declaration in front of everybody that we love each other and we're going to be together forever and ever and ever. That's what water baptism is. It's, it doesn't, it, it, you don't have to be water baptized to go to heaven. And there's a lot of argument about that. But you don't. Clearly, the man on the cross next to Jesus, he looked at him after his confession of faith and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, he didn't get off the tree and get watered, you know. It is a public declaration of who we, uh, who we, and Jesus asked us to do it. Jesus himself was water baptized. It's a public declaration. I belong to God. I'm going to serve him with all of my heart, and I want everybody to know it. It's like that whole wedding ceremony piece. Are you with me? Say yes. Now, it's amazing because there's always argument about how things ought to be. There's this, there's this whole argument back and forth. When we baptize you, should you be baptized in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? There's this whole argument back and forth. And can I just help you a little bit? I just don't believe that the God that we serve, that you're going to be standing there on the pearly gates at that moment. He's going to go through and find your name and go, oh, my goodness. I know you tried to be a Christian forever and ever and ever. But guess what? The guy who baptized you, he didn't say the name right. You got to go to hell forever. So sorry. I I mean, that doesn't even sound like our God's nature or character. And so there's this argument. Do you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Or do you baptize in the name of Jesus? So here at Church on the Hill, and August 5th, we're doing another baptism. Here at Church on the Hill, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the sweet name of Jesus. We're going to cover it all just in case there's any confusion for your family background. All right? We got you covered. We're going to do it right and make sure we just cover them all. I mean, just get it all done. And so August 5th, you can go to our app right now, and you can register for it so your name will be there, and we can get you a certificate so you can put up on your wall. I was baptized in front of everybody, brought my family and friends. August 5th, check out our app and go register for that uh, here and now today. And then the third baptism. So first baptism is salvation into the body of Christ. Water baptism is number two. In other words, a declaration in front of everyone, I belong to Jesus. And the third baptism is what we're calling, or what the Bible calls, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of conflict. People get confused about that. Well, well, how can I be filled? And, I, and the Bible says it like this. And so let me just take you through a couple of passages of Scripture. And one of the greatest ways I can illustrate and show you all three baptisms in one scenario is this moment with Philip in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. So early on in the church, we see kind of these three, uh, the, all three baptisms kind of transpiring in this one storyline. And so Philip goes down to Samaria, and he's ministering to them. And let's pick up in verse 5 of Acts chapter 8. And we see that it says, Philip went down into Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. I love how they said the Christ there. He proclaimed the Christ there. And it talks about how they, you know, responded. In verse 12 it says, but when they believed as he preached. 
when they believe. So what happened? They believe. The Bible says all we have to do is believe and we are saved. Confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, and he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The moment they believe, boom, they belong to Christ. Boom. They are part of now the body of believers. That's why we're called believers. That's why we struggle with people who say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe this, this, and that. And I say, well, that's your problem. You're not a believer. Because I'm a believer. If that's what the Bible says, I believe it because I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Christ. And so you can't pick and choose what you want to believe and call yourself a Christian. Either you're a believer in the word of God or you're not. And so, and so in that moment it says, and they believed. They, and the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And then what did they do? They went and they were baptized. They wanted everybody else in Samaria to know, I'm no longer a Judaizer. I'm no longer a follower of Diana and the temple of Diana. I now belong to Christ. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve Jesus all my days. They believed. The Spirit of the Lord came inside of them. Boom. They said, you know what? I want to make a public uh, declaration in front of everybody. Water baptism. Boom. And then look, let's pick up from there in verse 14. It says, and when the apostles in Jerusalem. So when Dallas heard what was happening up on Cedar Hill says, and when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, first of all, they didn't even believe it could happen. Like, what? Somebody outside of just Jews can receive? What? They weren't even sure it could happen like this. When they heard that they had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, verse 15, they prayed for them that they might receive what? The Holy Spirit. Well, I thought we believed the Holy Spirit came inside of me upon uh, confession of my faith. Yes. Yes, he did. I, that's why you're convicted now whenever you sin. That's your first baptism. Second baptism, and the, you, you know, those of you that have been water baptized, you know that when you did that, something significant happened to you. Why? Because you knew you were going, it was like a marriage. It was like a wedding. It was like that whole ceremony, like this is the deal. I'm not turning back. And I ask people all the time, why are you being water baptized? You know, I just want to make it real with Jesus. They'll tell me that. I just want to go all the way. And that's because what they're saying is, I don't want to just shop around. I don't want to just date Jesus anymore. I want everybody to know I'm all in. And that's what they did. And then it says they sent to them Peter and John. And as they, as they got there, they realized, wait a minute, you don't have the Holy Spirit yet. And so verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. They were baptismoed. They fully immersed. They had the Holy Spirit convicting them, had the Holy Spirit drawing them into a deeper relationship. And then all of a sudden, now they're fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. And I would illustrate that like this. If I took a cup and I filled it with water, that water is now filled. I take you, you get, you get right with God, you ask Jesus into your life, filled, Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. But then I could take that cup, and if I took that and set it in the middle of a swimming pool, it's not just affected on the inside, but it's fully immersed, completely immersed. That's why you look at some people and go, how come you don't seem to be struggling the way I'm struggling? And more than likely, it's because they've gone past the first baptism into the second baptism and probably even past the second one into the third baptism to where now they have power. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for power. The filling of the Holy Spirit at salvation is for regeneration. Starts remaking you. Now all of a sudden you don't think the same way you were thinking. You start changing. Like, man, I feel bad about that. I can't believe I cussed that lady out. But here's the problem. Regeneration doesn't give you the power to overcome your old sinfulness. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. So that we can have power to overcome. Power to do the mission of bringing Christ to a lost and dying world. 
empowerment to transform a lost and dying world. We can't do that in our own strength. You can't overcome that addiction in your own strength. You can't be nice when everyone around you don't, doesn't deserve to be nice to. That is an empowerment that makes no sense. The Bible calls it like this, that the things of the spirit are foolishness to the carnal mind. Makes no sense. How in the world can you love that person after what they did to your child? Supernatural. It's a power that I, I myself can't even really articulate properly. Now, I know some of us have had some misappropriation of who the person of the Holy Spirit is. And in fact, I would say that's kind of how I had an experience with the Lord early on. I grew up wicked. We were not Christians. My mom got pregnant with me out of wedlock at 16 years old. I mean, we lived a pretty wicked life. And then Jesus came into our life. And we, uh, it was the little guys were coming around uh, and, and inviting kids to go to Sunday school. And so I finally, you've heard my story, I finally got on the bus and went to Sunday school. And it was a church of Christ, non-instrumental. So everything you did here today was demonic based on how I got saved. And so we, I showed up there, and, and I, wanted, I didn't want to go to hell. And that's what they were told me. Do you want to go to heaven or hell? Well, I don't want to go to hell, so what do I got to do? And so for them, you got to be water baptized, straight to a public confession. So I did. And I came home, told my mom. She came. She got right with God. I'll never forget. She called her boyfriend at the time, Mike McCain, said, hey, that's it. I'm done. Me and my little boy, we're going to serve God. Don't want to have anything to do with the lifestyle we've been living. I'm changing. A couple weeks later, Mike McCain showed up and said, if it'll change you, it'll change me. I want some. And he walked down, got water baptized, water baptized, all the cocaine addiction, gone. All the alcohol addiction, gone. Never needed another cigarette, water baptized, came out of that. They got married. We became a family. It was awesome. Man, we got involved in the church. Dad had a problem with why can't I play my guitar to worship Jesus? Because they were non-instrumental. And so we found another church that let him, let him play his guitar and sing. And, and then one day, at the end of one of my baseball games, got a new kid on my baseball team, and dad knew his dad. Pop knew his dad. They had been over saved Mike together and riding Harleys and doing drugs together. And this man's name was Buzz. And Buzz said, Mike, I got saved. Mike said, I got saved. He said, no way. He said, did you get the power of the Holy Spirit? Dad said, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Men of Ephesus, don't know what that is. And he started telling him us these wild stories. And I'm sitting there going, don't do it. Don't do it. That's messed up. Whatever that is, messed up. Well, a couple of weeks into this, uh, this relationship with Buzz Tremay and, and uh, mom and dad getting one of these knockdown, drag out fights that Christians don't have. You don't know what you talk. You know what I'm talking about because your kids tell on you all the time. We know about you. Don't worry about it. And Pop left, got in his truck and peeled out. Never forget. Well, I mean, I'm calling the cops from the little, you know, cordless phone, the whole nine yards. A couple hours later, Pop comes back, gets us out of bed, sits us down in the living room tears coming down his cheek. I mean, this man was arrogant and prideful. He never said he was sorry. Weeping and saying, I'm so sorry. I couldn't stop being prideful and arrogant. Didn't know how to stop. And tonight I went and found Buzz and they were having a small group in a living room. Come on, somebody. Pop busted up in the middle of it and said, listen, whatever I got ain't working. What you got seems to work better. Help me. And they said, Mike, you've experienced the first baptism. You've experienced the second baptism. But you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to overcome. He said, all right, lay hands on me. Whatever y'all got to do. So they laid hands on him. Pop, immediately. Power of God, baptism. I mean, fully immersed. Told, transformed everything about him. Gave him a beautiful prayer language. Came back, set us down, was telling us all about it. And my mom's like, I've never heard anything like this. I've never seen you like this. I want it. And so that Sunday, we didn't go to our Church of Christ with the pews, with the hymns. Stay with me. With the good, nice, safe preaching, we showed up at a home church. 
I knew we were in trouble when we pulled up and all the cars were in the grass of these people's house. We walked up. We first thing we walk inside, and there are a hundred people stuffed, hundred fifty people stuffed into a living room that'll hold fifty people. They all look like a bunch of crackheads. They all, they all, I mean, they all look like like you need to go to church, whoever y'all are. The moment we walk in, right here to the right, as we walked in, was a table, and on that table, they had chips and dips and Kool Aid. Some of you are old enough to know what I'm talking about. I'm thinking Jonestown right here. I'm thinking, like, don't drink the Kool-Aid, whatever we do. Church Christ ain't got no Kool-Aid to after church at the fellowship hall, not in the middle of the church. That's satanic. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a cult. And we walk in, and they've got seven instruments. They're rocking it out. No, 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 Jesus. No, 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 no. But the weirdest part of the whole thing, and I don't know if y'all remember back in the day before we had nice projectors, they already had one of these things called an overhead projector. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They had hung a sheet over the fireplace and were shooting the words up on the sheet. So it had all these wrinkles in it. And if you remember, we used to write on those things and you never could spell anything right. You had no spell check. And so they got all these words up here, these songs. There's no hymnals. There's no real word of God. Just this stuff. And then to boot, there was this blonde-headed chick with long hair all the way down to here sitting on the hearth of the fireplace with drums all around her, playing the drums. But the light from the overhead projector is hitting her right here in the face, this way up. And she's got one crooked eye that looks all the way over here. So here she is doing this as we walk in from my beautiful, safe life of Church of Christ. And in that, they're all screaming and hooping and hollering, hallelujah, bless God, whoo! And then they're going, la, 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 peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly. They're doing all that. And I'm like, Mom, Dad, this is a cult. We need to get out of here. This is how you die. And they're not like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. So finally they stop all the banging and shouting and screaming with all the drums and all the music. And finally the preacher gets up there and I'm like, well, at least that'll solve And then he gets to spitting and he gets to yelling and he gets to getting excited. And then he closes it out with this statement. How many of you guys want the Holy Ghost? It's like, are you going to sell me a used car too? I mean, what are we doing here? What is this? And so a couple people lifted their hands. They brought them forward. And right in front of everybody, they're laying hands. They're pushing on. And they're doing all this and falling down on the ground. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Good Church of Christ, boy, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. It's the only name I know to call upon. Oh, no, sir. A couple weeks went by. We kept going. I was like, this is terrible. They, they didn't have a youth group. I was the youth group. So a couple of Sundays into it, they said, guess what the youth group's doing? They're watching the kids in the kids' ministry. <laughs> they just took me to babysit the kids. And so, but a couple of weeks into it, mom had gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then they were like, Adam, are you ready for the Holy Ghost? I'm like, nope. <laughs> so after a few weeks of that, mom's like, come on, let them lay hands on you. I was like, ah, oh, what moms can get us to do, right? And so I said, okay. So I go forward. But I've been watching them for a few, couple months now. And so I said, okay. They said, like, Sunday, you want the Holy Ghost? I'm like, no. I saw Shining and the Poltergeist and all those things. I don't want nothing to do with the ghost. But Mom wants me to let you pray for me, so I'm going to do it. So they said, all right, lift your hands and close your eyes. Well, first off, I grew up in the hood. You, if you're going to get robbed, don't close your eyes in the process of it, right? I'm not going to lift my hand and close my eyes. I'll either lift my hands, or, or, but I ain't closing my eyes because y'all are freakazoids, and I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. And they were like, be obedient. Lift your hands, young man, and close your eyes. So I, I pulled that Jehovah Sneaky on him. I did the whole thing where you can still see him. 
And I'd been watching them push everybody down, so I got in a stance. I'm like, give me a second, hold on. All right, let's go. I thought, if you can push me down like this, it's got to be God. Because I'd play football, so my little legs were all bowed up. You know, I was like in the low center of gravity. Let's see if you can push me down. And they pray, and they yell, and they spit, and they pushed me all around. And like, did you get it? I said, I got a, I, what I got is a spinal injury that all y'all about to have to pay for. That's what I got. And, uh, and so we left that experience, and I said, that will never happen again. Weeks later, I'm laying on the floor in our living room. Because I'd done something bad, and the TV was taken away from me. And so I'm sitting on the living room floor after school, just staring at the ceiling fan. <laughs> Some of you, know, you Come on, the rest of you don't ever stare on the floor and just try to get one blade and try to watch one blade go? You've never done that? Try that on high with a five blade. Boy, you look like you got Tourette's or something. <laughs> and, so, and, so I, and all of a sudden, I hear a voice tell me, you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're just scared to death to really let me fully immerse you. So I went and found mom and dad. I told them. They got all excited. They prayed for me. Man, supernatural. It broke loose. I felt the power of God to overcome sin. All of a sudden, man, I got a beautiful prayer language. And Frank, can I tell you, it was on ever since that moment. My life has been transformed. I'm telling you, I have power to overcome. People get around me and they go, man, when I'm around you, I just feel like God's here. It's not because of me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not cool enough. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. This church exists for one reason only, because the Holy Spirit told me to do it. I didn't want to do it. I obey. So we're getting blessed together because of my interaction with the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. With the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Listening and abiding in him, in relationship with him, and him leading me, and the power of God happening, and supernatural things transforming in my life. The miracles, the ability to overcome sin, it's been unbelievable. Why? Because of the power, because of the third baptism. Because some of you are on this journey point. You hadn't gotten there. You're not even sure if you know it. You've seen it misappropriated, so you're not sure about that. Maybe you've gotten already to one, and you didn't know that there's a second. Yes, there's a second baptism. We want to get you baptized, a public declaration. You get to that stage, and you say, well, I'm interested in that, but I'm just a little apprehensive. That's okay. We're all on a journey point. Can I explain something to you? That's not all there is. Listen, do you understand? I have been married to this woman sitting on the front row 25 years. 20 one year's into this thing, she goes, yeah. I mean, she's serving in the city and involved in, some, you know, helping our city be better. She goes, yeah. And we're dreaming about the future. And she goes, yeah, because I've always desired to be in politics. I went, what? What are you talking about? You didn't know that? No. Been married to you 21 years. The first time I've ever heard of that. No, I told you that. No, you did not. In this 21 years, there is still more to discover. Those who have been married a little longer know what I'm talking about. In God, whatever you think you have, those of you who say, oh, I've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. i got a little prayer language. Listen, be, 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 awesome. That's great. But have you raised the dead and healed the sick yet? Come on. Have you, have you had open visions yet? There's more in God. He cannot be boxed in. He is so magnificent and so powerful. And there's so much more for you and me that let's not limit him just at the first baptism. Let's not just stop at the second baptism. Let's not even just stop at the third baptism. Let us keep walking this journey thing out and growing deeper and deeper and more in love and more in love and more in love. And the more I love this woman, the more I find out about her, the more she expands into something I don't know what that is. And I'm having to learn more and more and more and more. Why? Because that's what a relationship looks like. Religion tells you, do these five things, you're done. And it'll be great. Well, how come that didn't work for you? Why are you here? God drew you here because you knew there's something else. God's doing something. I need, I need something else. I need more. Why? Because we're all on a journey point here at Church on Hill. Like, what's next? Let's go. Why? Because we know there's more in God than what we've ever experienced.
We want that for my prayer and my fasting over these last three, four weeks have been, oh God, may every person in Church on the Hill know the fullness of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. May they know the fullness of the relationship of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not living inside of you. He died, resurrected, and ascended, and is seated at the right right hand of the Father praying for us. Who lives inside of you is the Holy Spirit. Why are you scared of him? Because of what someone else says. Go back to our series, Liar, Liar series. And you bought into a lie. The greatest gift God could ever give you is to empower you with his Holy Spirit. The same spirit that what? Rose Christ from the dead. Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. The Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. And we have the ability to have the Holy Spirit living and abiding in us, to be fully immersed in him, to where it's not just affecting us and convicting us and just remaking us, but empowering us to do the mission. And the mission is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. The boldness, the power, we seem to be lacking that. Years ago, I was hanging out with a friend. He wasn't a believer at the time, where he was, he was away from God. He'd grown up in church. He'd been in ministry and married and, and had a, just a destructive situation and lost his marriage over it, lost ministry over it, quit on God over it. And he's that friend. You know that friend that's like when you walk in somewhere, that friend's cooler than you? I've never had that except with him. Like that was, it was a difficult experience for me. And, uh, but I loved him. I mean, he's just cool. He's just the cool dude. I mean, the cool guy. He's good at everything. Ah, I just love that dude. And so, but he'd been away from the Lord, and he was, he was going into a second marriage, and, um, and he, they'd been married for, for a short season, and uh, she made him come sit down with me. And so he's sitting down with me, and he goes, listen, um, I, I, need, I need your help. I said, okay. And he never let me be a pastor. He would just let me be a friend. And, and the Bible says that Jesus was a friend with sinners. If you don't have anybody that's lost or not saved in your life that you're a friend with, you're not being like Jesus. Jesus had friends that, that was dropping the F-bomb and wasn't affecting him. You're like, oh, my goodness, I don't want bad stuff to happen. Well, Jesus wasn't like that. He got amongst the hurting people. And so this is my friend that just he wasn't serving God, but he's my friend. I loved him. And so he finally was going to let me kind of be a pastor in this moment in his life. And he goes, listen. All right, so, and he started, he started confessing uh, some things that are pretty wicked that had been in his life probably destroyed his first marriage and is now about to destroy his second marriage. And uh, he said, you know, a couple nights ago I got on my face and uh, I repented and asked Jesus to forgive me, come back into my life. I said, oh, that's awesome, bro. Back to the first baptism. He goes, you know, I've already been water baptized, second baptism, but I may do that again. He goes, but I need to know what you would say to me as after he confided this, this deep thing that he had a, a bad struggle with. What can I do about that? And I, and I let him talk for a little bit, and he goes, and I already know, because I've been, I've been a Christian for so many years back in the day, I already know what you're going to tell me. I was like, well, what am I going to tell you? He goes, you're going to tell me I need to join the church. And I said, no. You became a part of the body of Christ the moment you asked Jesus into your life. So he has a bad, he thinks, he thinks church is this stinking meeting. This meeting is us celebrating what God's done all throughout the week. I need you in my life, not on Sundays. I need you in my life all throughout the week. Uh, every day we're the church. There's a universal body of believers. They're in Africa. That's why you can be my brother and have a different skin tone. You can be my brother. You can be my sister and vote differently than me. We're a part of the body. We were, when we made Jesus our Lord and Savior, we became a part of his body. We became part of his unit. We became a part of his global family. I don't need you to come join our church. Yes, this body has some things that we're called to do. Yes, Church on the Hill is a unit within that body that's out there changing the world. And, and, we, and we do it together. 
together. But at the end of the day, that's not going to keep you from doing what you've been doing. And I stopped and I said, that's not what at all what I would tell you. What I would tell you is you need to get to the third baptism because you have no power to stop what you've been doing. You've been through therapists. You've lost marriages over it. You've got all these issues and you've got all this stuff. You know when God, you know this because you grew up in a church and you ministered this back in the day when you were traveling and ministering. But you don't have the power of the God flowing through you to actually help you overcome it. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he went, and he walked away. Never saw him again. Why? Because people had not taught him that he could have a real relationship that is wonderful with the Holy Spirit. What he saw was people falling down on the ground. People's eyes rolling in the back of their head, jumping around, acting a fool. I, I, what I'm telling you is the person of the Holy Spirit in, this, in these beautiful scriptures. That relationship, you can't live without. You can't, you, you can't, how are you going to overcome that? How are you going to stop sinning against your spouse? How are you going to love that boss who's a jerk? And the Bible says, in love and pray for those who despitefully use you. And love your enemies. You can't even love your own family. How are you going to love your enemies? Where does that power come from? It comes only, as we see it in Scripture, from the power of the Holy Spirit. As we get baptismo in him, fully immersed in him, he gives us power to do the mission, to overcome, to live a life. Using the power gifts to transform the world. Let me give you a... Four little things that I want you to do as your pastor. And just a couple of steps in this whole thing that hopefully that you can kind of get a, an understanding. The first thing that I want you to do when it comes in reference to the Holy Spirit, the first, and, first and foremost thing that I want you to do is I want you to remove the barriers. Number one, remove the barriers. That's what this whole series has been. I've been trying to help you remove the barriers. Bad teaching from your last place that you came from. An experience that your aunt said that was God when really that was almost mysticism. Fake prophecy where someone prophesied over you and said it was God. I've had a bunch of those. I want you to remove those barriers because until you remove those barriers, you can't go to the next step. Number two, and that is request the power of the Holy Spirit. Request. You know what I love about the Holy Spirit? What I love about the God that I serve? He doesn't force anything on me. He gave us free will. Why would he do that? I've told you before. I would, if I was God, I wouldn't give you free will. I'm mean, like, no, you're going to serve me now. Oh, no, stop what you're doing and go tell that person about, about me or I will fry you. That would have been me. But he, did, he gave us free will. We can choose him, we can reject him, we can love him, we can not love him. It makes no sense. I think he didn't want robots. I think he wanted sons and daughters. I think he didn't want slaves. He wanted, as we call it, as the word calls us, joint heirs with Christ. I think that's what he wanted. What kind of security does our God have? That he gives you the ability to choose him or reject him. Oh, I want that kind of security in my life. I want to know God in that capacity. He says, listen, when you and I call upon the Lord, he will respond. Some of you have never been baptized because someone tried to convince you to do something you didn't want to do. And as a young person, you were at some youth camp or something, and they were like, don't you want to, don't you want to go up there? Don't you want to? You're like, not really, but I feel the pressure, so I want to, I want to be kind to you. And so people laid hands on you, they pushed on you, and something didn't happen properly, and then you went, went away thinking you were messed up. No, the bottom line is you never actually requested. And the beauty of the God that we serve, he's a gentleman. He will not force his will on you. He will not force what good gifts he has for you on you. You have to ask, then you can receive. You have to knock, then the door can be open. Are you with me? Because, again, he won't force himself on you. That's been my prayer. God, would you, Lord, would you so invigorate the people of Church on the Hill, that they begin to ask for, for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that they want it in and of themselves, that someone's not trying to sell them a, a bill of goods, but they actually recognize they lack power and need, and that need generates 
the request. Here's the third thing as your pastor that I would like to see you do, and that is receive him by faith. Receive him by faith. And I use those words very specifically, and they're scriptural words. For you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's faith. I don't know why God does it like this, but this is how he does it all throughout scripture. And that is he asks us to take leaps of faith with him. He doesn't drag us behind him, but he asks us, come on, take another step. Come on, baby, take another step. Any of you got grandkids or babies that are just learning to walk? Do you know what you do? You get all the way down on there and you hold their little hand. You say, come on, take a step, take a step. And what are they doing? Their big old heads, you know, they're all off balance. You know, <laughs> you know after they learn to walk, you know, you, you think they're going to call CPS on you because they got knots all over the head because they keep running into stuff with that big old head. I promise I'm not beating that kid. That's what God does. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't walk for you. He woos you. Come on. It's good. What I got for you is amazing. That's awesome. Step one was so good. That was a good baptism. How about this next baptism? When you tell everybody, you change your Facebook status. You put out there that you really do love me and I'm the center of your world. Tell them that. And when you go, okay, I can do that. And he says, okay, come on. Come on, I got more for you. You're not going to believe it. You can do it. You can, oh, you fell down. You don't believe it. That's okay. That's okay. Look how good it's going to be. Watch me. And he puts Christians around you that are healing the sick and raising the dead. And you're like, what's wrong with me? I must be second-rate Christian. No. You just stopped along that journey piece. There's more for you. Get up. Let's go. Receiving by faith. And then the last piece that I'd like to see as your pastor happen in your life, and that is that you fellowship with him every day. That you fellowship with the Holy Spirit every day. I, don't, I, I said this in one of the other, other, other parts. I think it was last week. I don't know why we make heroes out of someone who just understands how to use their gift. Somebody starts moving a gift of healing, and we all want to go follow them like they're, you know, they're, like they're, you know, some rabbi or something like, oh, oh, they pray for someone, they got healed. Yeah, so should all of us. It's not that big of a deal. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you, lay hands on that one. He'll, he'll, he'll use you to help this one. And, uh, we make heroes out of someone who just learned how to walk in their gift. That's crazy. They're just people like us. I'm telling you right now, none of your, the great spiritual heroes floated to put their britches on every morning. It didn't happen. They did just like the old people used to say. They did that just like us, one leg at a time. We're all just imperfect creatures serving a perfect God, being empowered by the perfect presence of the Holy Spirit, learning to follow him every day. Listen, I miss him all the time. I wake up the next day and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? I'm trying to do better. Ooh, show me, because I'm surely not got this thing all together and figured out. Following him and fellowshipping with him every day. Here's my last and final passage. I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible, 2 Corinthians 13 and 14. Paul is closing out his whole interaction with the Corinthians. Last verse of the book of 2 Corinthians. He's, he's whooped them in 1 Corinthians. and 2 Corinthians, he's encouraged them. And he's got through, corrected some doctrinal pieces. And he closes it out with this. He says, the amazing grace of the master... Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit, be with all of you. He closes out and he says, listen, I want you to have the grace that comes from that first baptism relationship with Jesus Christ, the grace and mercy. I I, I want you to know the extravagant love of the Father, the the extravagant love of, of who God is and how much he loves you. Oh, and then I want you to have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. May that be with all of you. That, that's kind of my prayer. May you have an intimate, intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit where you hear Him speaking to you, encourages you, strengthen you, giving you the power to overcome, 
giving you power to go forward in your life. Depression no longer, anxiety no longer controlling you. And a, a beautiful prayer language where you can talk intimately like a love language. Jamie and I have these little code talks. Those of you that have been married know what I'm talking about. You'll say, <laughs> Smith, <laughs> I know right. And that's really what my prayer language is. It's just intimacy between me and the Father through the Holy Spirit. It's magnificent. Would you stand with me all across the room? I hope this has helped you a little bit. I hope that you have sensed and understood what your next step could be. And for some of you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has not made sense to you. People have misappropriated those teachings. And I would tell you, but don't take my word for it. Take the word of God for it. Go back and study the word yourself. Don't, don't go research what so-and-so says. Go read the word of God yourself. I've given you a ton of scripture. Go ahead and read it yourself. Put it in context. Don't just pull out the one piece. I had to do that for time. But go back and read all the pieces if you have a little bit of struggle. Go ahead and start removing those barriers so you can know the Holy Spirit for yourself. I'm asking the Lord to baptismo each and every one of the members of Church on the Hill. Now, how that's going to happen is in churches that I grew up, they brought you forward and, and they laid hands on you in front of everybody. and kind of It became a spectacle at times. I would never do that to you. That's not what our Sunday services are for. We have encounter retreats three and four times a year. It's a private meeting where people will lay hands on you and pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have meetings in small groups all throughout the week. There are folks in this room that will pull you aside and pray with you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when you're ready and when you ask for it, then and only then. Because you're not a second-rate Christian because you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're not not going to go to heaven because you don't have some prayer language or something. The moment you said yes to Christ, He said yes to you. The moment you said yes to Him, you were grafted into the body of believers. Oh, I want that next step for you. Tell everybody in the world who you belong to because that seals it. it. Seals it. In front of everybody, seals it in your heart for you and your mind. Oh, and I want you to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to have power. I know how much you're suffering. I hear the story. I, I pray with you all the time about what you're going through. I want you to have power to overcome it. But according to your faith, as you journey these places out, it's good. There's so much more in God. Would you just lift your hands before the Lord? bow your heads with me for a moment. I want to pray over you. Father, I pray that I've done what you wanted me to for your people. God, I don't know how the Holy Spirit got a bad name. I don't know what happened there over the last however many years. But Holy Spirit, I know you're good. (laughs) And I know you've brought me out of the stupidity of my own flesh and my own sinful nature. I know that you've used these goofy little hands to pray for people and they got healed. No, you've taken my little minuscule intellect and brought truth that I had no ability to even bring forward. I know you've taken and given me gifts, prophecy, words of knowledge, and and used it to just transform lives. God, I want the same thing for these, your servants. So, Father, I pray, Lord God, that the barriers will begin to be removed. I pray like Paul prayed, that they would have intimate fellowship with, with you, Holy Spirit. God, I ask you now, that, Lord God, that a faith would arise in those and they would recognize, oh, that's, that's it. I stopped at the second baptism. I stopped at the first baptism. Oh, there's more that I can experience in this empowering relationship with the living God. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would completely transform our church 
as you baptize your servants in your Holy Spirit. Just like you did the men at Ephesus, didn't know anything about it. Just like the folks in Samaria, they, they, they go on baptism one and two, but they didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And then you sent Peter and John to go help them. God, I pray you'd send men and women into these precious ser- servants' lives to help them. Small group leaders, pastors, folks around this church, other members who can help pray with them according to their desire. Now keep your head bowed for just a moment. You can put your hands down. If you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, i got to be honest. I, I, I'm not a Christian. I'm pretty sure if I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. And I've been there. Maybe you say, Pastor, I, I'm away from God. I used to serve God, but like that friend you were talking about, I walked away and I'm separated. I'm divorced. Friend, I'll tell you, I remind you like I did already in the message. There's a first baptism for you. You can go back to that spot if, if you walked away from God. Get back on that journey relationship piece. The word says if you'll confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, he's the Christ, the son of the living God, he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You don't have to be shameful. You don't have to live in guilt, condemnation. You don't have to fear death. I have no fear of death because it's just another step into a beautiful eternity with my Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God and you're ready to make a deep, private decision for Jesus, I'd like to pray with you. I won't call you for it because why? It's deep and it's private. I'm not going to make a spectacle of you. That's why every head is bowed and every eye is closed. But I do want to give you an opportunity to admit it to yourself, admit that to heaven, and let me be the pastor and admit it to me. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God and you want to know Jesus, you want to come back to him, or if you've never been a Christian, you want to make him your Lord, would you lift your hand if that's you and I'll pray with you across the room. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for your honesty. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. Yes, sweet love. Thank you for your honesty. This is wonderful. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Okay. A couple more seconds. Anybody else? Pastor, it's me. It's time. I'm ready to make this decision. I'm ready, sir. I'm tired of living like this. I'm not doing this anymore. Right now, I'm giving myself to God. God bless you, sweet love. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's just a prayer of repentance. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is God's already been dealing with you and pulling you close to him, and you're ready to go in. This moment, when we finish this prayer, not only will you be a son and daughter of the Most High, you'll be a part of the family of God. You'll be forgiven. Heaven will be your destiny. Life will come into you. I want to lead you in that prayer. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray out loud with my friends who lifted their hands. Those who lifted their hands, mean this with all of your heart. It's intimate, it's personal. But let me guide you a little bit in in this connection with Jesus. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. A little bit better out loud. Jesus, today, I admit, I'm a sinner. I recognize that I've sinned against you. But today, I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on a cross for me and my sins. Jesus, I declare you are my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I belong to you forever in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who said that prayer, who meant it from the depths of their heart, who accepted you and made you the Lord of their life. Holy Spirit, now that you've come inside of them, and just holy, it doesn't even make sense, it's supernatural. They're gonna start feeling and sensing what's right and what's wrong in ways they never felt. They're gonna feel the grieving of lying and not telling the truth about things. I pray that in this wonderful interaction, that they would sense the sealing of their faith, that they would sense the peace that only God can bring in the midst of storms. 
that they would know that they know that they know that no matter what happens in this world, no matter how it ends up, they forever are protected under the shadow of your wings, in your arms forever, loved by you. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me, Adam McCain. Thank you, God. Thank you for sharing that love to all of humanity. And may the men and women today who prayed that prayer, may they sense your forgiveness all their days. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said amen and amen.